I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts, a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. My interview with Rebecca continues with more abuse more frequently. Whenever I hear a story like this, like I'm sure you do, I ask myself, when are you going to see what this toxic relationship is doing to your life and then break this off with this guy? We will find out in this final part two on the When Dating Hurts podcast. So it just happened throughout all of senior year. It just, the abuse, he could have, I mean, if he really, he could have broken up with me. I could have broken up with him. It just, it seemed like I would get home and just cry. I felt like I was suffocating. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. Was anything redeeming about this relationship besides the fact you wanted it? No. If there was an upside to this relationship, I don't know what it was. And I, and I don't think that time has erased that because I think if anything, time gives you kind of, you look back with rose colored glasses and I definitely do not, I don't think there was anything good. I don't think there was. There were definitely times where obviously we weren't fighting and he was nice to me and, but no, it it wouldn't have been worth all of this, all of what I went through. It wasn't, and, and I've blocked a lot of it out. I think after it happened, I just, it's funny because once social media hit, which was probably, I don't know, five years after I graduated, once, you know, Facebook, MySpace, all of that, I would see people from my high school and I would have no clue who they were. And it wasn't even that long. To this day, I'm just like, I don't remember. And I'll have someone say, oh, they were, they sat right next to you. And I don't remember. Yeah, you had blinders on. I did. And I think I, you know, blocked a lot of it out. Funny story, after, during our high school graduation, I actually got into a fist fight with the girl that he was dating, the girl that he was dating behind my back. Yeah. It was after graduation and I saw them together and I just lost it. I just lost it. And let's just, let's just be clear. I was, I'm five foot seven and I weighed 90 pounds when I graduated high school because I just, I was so anxious and stressed all the time. I don't, definitely not my normal weight, but I was just anxious and stressed. And I don't remember ever being scared. I don't remember ever feeling like he was going to kill me. As I've been listening to your podcast, I kind of take all these stories and I'm like, wow, did that actually, did that happen to me? And I think there was one time that I actually got scared and he was driving fast and he opened, he like leaned over and opened my, the passenger side door and was trying to push me out. That would get your attention. That scared me. I don't remember feeling like, oh, he's going to kill me. He's, he definitely could have, you know, if he wanted to, I don't know. I don't remember being scared of the abuse. I just, the emotional 
abuse hurt way worse. The name calling, the, you know, he did say things like, you'll never, nobody will ever love you. And I remember at this time, I, I guess this might be significant. I don't know if my parents knew, obviously, we were in a sexual relationship. Never, I was never sexually assaulted. I was in a sexual, a sexual relationship at a young age. And my parents never spoke to me about that. But my dad, my stepdad used to refer to me as damaged goods, which is extremely, I already had a low self-esteem. I just. Yeah, that's really painful. Oh. It goes right to your core. Yes. It's a terrible thing to say. Terrible thing to say. Definitely is. He, I think, yeah, him and my mom didn't fight a lot, but he fought with us and my mom didn't stick up for us. So I think that was what we saw a lot. Mm -hmm. That's definitely what I saw a lot growing up. But he did say some horrible things to me and my sister. But when you're 16 or 17 and your dad's telling you this, like, you know, if you're sleeping around with this guy, no one's going to want you. Like, you believe stuff like that. Yeah, you believe it. So I don't know. I just didn't have the support. I feel like this is a cautionary tale for parents with kids in high school or younger, but you just believe things. And I honestly, I don't know what my parents could have done to get me out of this. They could have switched my school, which I did have a best friend who I'm still, who's still my best friend today. She went to a different school. And I remember at one point, like asking my mom if I could go there, but it wouldn't have been, it wasn't the closest school to me. So it would have involved paperwork and variances and stuff like that. But I didn't have the support at home. I didn't I truly feel that if I had tried to talk to my mom about what happened to me and what was happening, I wish my mom had been more of a friend to me growing up. And I know I'm a parent myself, and I know that there are parents who believe like, oh, I'm your parent. I'm not your friend. Mm -hmm. I needed a friend and I needed my mom to be understanding of me at that time. And I needed her to listen to me. Mm -hmm. I absolutely think the worst thing a parent can do when it comes to a high school relationship, whether it's healthy or, you know, not healthy, don't discount high school love because love is, is what you think it is at the time. There's no, there's no definition of that. So when you tell a high school girl or boy who think they're in love and when you say, oh, you're, that's not, you don't even know anything. You don't know what love is. You don't. It's not true. It's as real as it can get at that time for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's real to you. And if it's real to you, then having someone tell you that it's not, it, it's just. You're too young to be in love. What are you talking about? You have your whole life ahead of you. Yeah. So I think that, and all kids are different. My middle sister needed a parent and not a friend. <laughs> I needed a friend. And it's funny. I have a 12 year old daughter and. I, I don't have it in me to be strict or I don't, I'm never mad at her and maybe I'm too lenient, but I think that it's a result of just growing up in that type of environment. I, I, I cannot spank my children. I know that was, you know, when I was little, we got spanked all the time and that was just a, a norm back then. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I just can't. To me, I just can't. Domestic violence agencies coach people nowadays to be a great listener. So it's kind of like the way a psychologist handles somebody. They would say things like, like if you're the parent, you'd say, well, 
wow, I mean, how does that make you feel? Let them talk, let them talk, let them talk. How long has this been going on? Oh, gee, I mean, do your friend, how do your friends feel about this? Because you know from your own experience that you're not really going to leave that relationship finally. You're not out of that relationship until you decide that I can't do this anymore. You have to completely feel to your core that you want out. All the coaching in the world, all the friends in the world, all that is not going to make you stop until you want to stop. So the job for the parent or for a bystander friend, anybody, the idea is to get that person to talk him or herself out of this relationship. So you want them to think it through when they finally think, you know what, like you just said earlier, mm -hmm. whatever was going on and before, there's no upside to this thing. All I get is grief and bad feelings. And yeah, I, I, I gotta, <laughs> I'm stuck with this person. This person's a boat anchor around my life. So what actually did it? When did you get to that point where it's over or did he just bail out and go chase somebody else? Like what happened? So after high school, it wasn't as simple as just being over, but I didn't see him every day after high school anymore. We got jobs. I didn't work during high school because I was in cheer and some other things. You know, we got jobs. We did go to the same community college. I didn't run into him much. We still talked. And I do want to say I did see him go out every now and then, but it just kind of dissipated. I started dating other people. I didn't tell him, obviously. It was none of his business. And that definitely helped to get out and see what else is out there. I am going to talk about my first marriage a little bit, just touch on that. So after high school, we graduated in 2000 and dated for, I guess, a couple of years, a few different people, nothing like serious. I was in school, I was working, and then I was working at a gym and I met who would be my first husband. He was not at all my type, not at all. It was, it's funny because I went on a date with him. He was so different. Even the guys that I dated after my high school relationship, just liars. And I don't know, they just weren't good guys. And maybe that's what I went after at the time, just the, the bad boy type. I don't know. So I go on a date with my, this guy who, you know, ends up being my husband and he's just so innocent and honest and just not trying to be anyone he wasn't. He, I think had a, I don't think he had a great background. He, he came from, he moved to the United States from Vietnam in the nineties and was just very, it was refreshing because he was just so, it was, he was just so honest. So we dated for a little while and I was 20 at the time. He was 19. We dated for a few months and he, like I said, he wasn't my type at all. We weren't, we didn't have a lot in common at all. And he ended up, he decided he was going to join the military and we were just like, okay, we're going to get married. Six months later at 20, I was 21 at the time and he had turned 20, we got married and moved away. My parents weren't happy. My parents were from Arkansas and my stepdad was from Virginia and they were a bit racist. And 
didn't really support it. But at this point, I was just like, no, I'm leaving. I was thrilled to get out of my parents' house. And shortly after we got married, it wasn't, not that it wasn't working. It was just, we were kind of more like friends. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but we were married for 10 years. 10 years? 10 years. Wow. That's t- that's amazing. Throughout the that's time. Amazing. Yeah. We were married 10 years. I married him because he was safe. I knew that he, I obviously was not crazy, crazy in love. You know, he was a great guy. We did not have a great, I mean, he wasn't a great husband. He wasn't bad, but there were, there were issues. Um, Mm -hmm. But as I, you know, got to know myself better and hindsight, and when you get older and you learn things about yourself and relationships, it, it was clear that I had married him because he was safe to me mm-hmm. and he um yeah he i knew he couldn't hurt me because even if he had done something terrible i don't think it would have hurt me it wouldn't it wouldn't have it wouldn't have hurt me do you think it would be like after what you'd been through nothing could ever match that is that what you mean it could never hurt me no what i mean as far as he couldn't hurt me i wasn't that crazy in love with him to where if he had done something, I remember my mom asking me like, are you sure you want to do this? Like you're moving away. You're, and I was just like, mom, if it doesn't work out, I'll just get divorced. (laughs) She's like, okay. Okay. Again, he is, he's the father of my daughter Mm -hmm. and um, she's actually with him now. She spends summers with him. So it's kind of like my childhood, but she Mm -hmm. has, she has, her dad is very loving towards her and her stepdad is as well. So I truly hope that she, you know, mm. has a better foundation. Yes. And, you know, role models than I did. Yes. So we were married. We moved around because he was in the military. So I think that that helped us stay together long as long as we did because when we would move somewhere, we didn't know anybody. It was just yeah, him just and you, I. So. You and he, yeah. Yeah. If we had stayed put, I don't think it would have lasted that long. We don't have the same views on parenting. We don't, there's just a lot of things that I don't think that we didn't have my, our daughter until seven years after we were married. So definitely when it comes to parenting, I don't think that we would have worked out. So I got to a point where I just was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want this to be my whole life. Like I want to experience that real love. I want to, yeah, I just, I wanted something more. So we ended up splitting. That was very hard because he was like family to me. So very, very, very difficult. I met my husband now shortly after and where it ties into my domestic violence story, my I'll just put it out there. My ex-husband and my husband now are like, I've never experienced anything domestic violence related since that relationship in high school. So that cycle did not repeat is what I mean to say. You're in the clear. I'm in the clear. I met my husband now and I had that, I I became like quickly in love with him. And it was, it was very, I, I almost reverted back to when I was in high school, like, I got jealous. I was, I was like, oh my God, he's going to cheat on me. I was, now my husband now has no trauma. He had the best upbringing. He's 
just so, and he could not understand why I was just creating these problems. And you're like a scared cat. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I felt like I did in high school with him. And I would look at his Facebook and be like, oh my gosh, like I was jealous of girls that he dated previous to me. Yeah. I became someone who I had not been in a long, long time. And it took, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he actually stayed around <laughs> for that. But it's kind of like, in some ways, almost like PTSD, where you have so many triggers mm -hmm. that anything could just kind of like jump into your head and it's like, oh my God, that's, I wonder what's going on over there. Or, or what he said sounded like what that other guy said. You know, he grew up in a town here in New Jersey and still friends with people from high school, which I'm not. And he's friends with girls and he's friends. And I was just like, my high school experience was so traumatizing that I could, I can't relate to somebody having friends from high school and being friends with girls and all these people still being close with each other. I just, I couldn't fathom. I would say it took a good couple years to finally move past that. And now, I mean, I've been, I've been married to my husband now for six years and I look back on those first couple of years and I'm just like, oh my gosh, why did he stay with me? Why did he stay? You will notice on, if, if you listen to the podcast some more, there's a woman named Stephanie. She's a, maybe the only one so far that comes in three parts, three parts mm -hmm. to her story. And what I find, I mean, the whole thing is amazing. You know, a lot of similarities to yours. But when you get to the third part, it's actually her current husband. He's the one I'm interviewing, her current husband, who's oh. a great guy. Okay. And it's very interesting to listen to him and how he had to handle her, how he had to be so patient. And he didn't say it like he's complaining. He just realized the position he was in when they were dating and and he got the lowdown on the previous guy who at that point was in prison. But when he got the lowdown, he just, he realized uh, that I, I have to always be calm. I can't burst into a room and say, Hey, guess what? You know, I can't do, there's so many triggers out there. So, yeah. I think what my husband doesn't he knows about the relationship. I've never gone through the whole story with him, but he knows that I was in an abusive relationship. But I think that he doesn't, that it was so long ago that maybe he thinks like, why is that still an issue? But I went so many years like married to my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. I didn't deal with it. I didn't think about it. I didn't have to. And then, you know, meeting him, my husband now just brought a lot of that up. In your mind, and your being, you hadn't felt as much in love as you did back in high school. So, you know, I think that's part of what, what brings it to now. That's exactly. Yeah, it was, it was very triggering is the word for it because I just, um, yeah, I felt like I was that young girl again. And he obviously would never have physically abused me. Nothing like that. He's never said anything horrible mm -hmm. to me. I'm glad. That's great. He's actually wonderful. Yeah, he's wonderful. So I just, um, I do feel like that experience in high school definitely had, you know, lasting effects. You wrote something in your email I thought was interesting, but you were saying that you had gotten to the point where you associated real love with fighting, cheating, basically turmoil. Could you talk about that a little bit? I associated real love with fighting, cheating, you know, the constant ups and downs. 
I didn't have that with my first husband because it that love wasn't there. But when I met my my husband now, it just the love felt similar. So I almost had to create that turmoil in a way. And that sounds awful, but I don't think I was trying to push him away, even though that definitely could have. I don't I don't think I was trying to sabotage it, but I I think that's all I knew when it came to, you know, when it comes to love and being in love. I think that's just all I knew. And it was a it was a learning experience. It was like I said, two years of just I would get upset over something that happened a long time ago for him when he didn't even know me. I didn't want to go to places that he went with his ex-girlfriend and you know, I realized eventually, like by doing that, like I'm, I'm missing out on experiences and things like that's not, he had a life before me. I had a life before him. And you know what? My ex-husband is in my life for forever now because we have a daughter and he has, my, my husband has to deal with that. And I will say we all have a great relationship. My ex-husband is married to a wonderful person who my daughter loves and She's the mom that I'm not. She's the DIY mom and I'm not that. But we have a we have a really good we're in a really good place right now, all of us. Well, if my daughter came to me, um, you know, in her teens and she was going through something similar, I I think the most important thing I, w- I, I don't know what I would do as far as, you know, taking her out of school, I I don't know what I would do. um, But I know that I would listen to her. I wouldn't judge her. I would never come across like I was mad at her for anything. I feel like my parents were mad at me a lot. I felt like a lot of things were my fault. My daughter will always know that I will be a listening ear for her and she can tell me anything without judgment. And I, I don't know, you know, after that, I really hope that she's never in this type of situation. But if she is, I'll, I will be there and I will work through it with her and I will look for the signs. I feel like, you know, I will look for the signs. And I have a son as well, and he's going to grow up knowing respect and will never, he's going to grow up knowing that he has the same support my daughter does and he will never treat a woman like that. <laughs> Is his father your current husband? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Boy and a girl. So my daughter has her brother, my son, and then she has another brother, her dad. So she's okay. got two brothers to, they're younger than her, but they'll, they'll be there for her Aww. when she's older. So it's very sweet. Yeah. I, my daughter is, um, she's not like I was in school. She's not um, unsure of herself yet. I hope that that doesn't come. Like I said before, she, she's been with my current husband since she was three. And her dad, her dad is definitely more strict on her. It's a, I think it's a cultural thing and his, that's the way he grew up and mm-hmm. he's very strict with her, but she lives with me full time. And, you know, she talks to her dad every day and she also has her stepdad. So I think that she's got a good support system that I didn't have. So I'm hoping that she, Mm -hmm. that something like this doesn't happen to her, even though you never know. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Never know. Do you have any uh, other things you want to talk about? Listen to your children. Don't discount their feelings. And I truly think that there's nothing wrong with being 
a friend to your child. I know that they need a parent and a lot of parents will disagree with that. But I just, I think that your kids need to know that they can tell you things. And my, my mom would have just gotten mad mm-hmm. for any little mistake I made. And yeah, my kids can make mistakes and they can, they can come to me, they can, and I will listen to them. And I think that I know my husband now will do the same thing. He's the, he's the same way. And his, it's, it's so funny. His parents are the complete opposite of mine. Like he grew up in the most supportive environment. (laughs) His parents are, I'm just kind of blown away by how like understanding his mom is and the things that he will tell his mom and used to tell her as a kid. I'm like, oh my God, I would have never. My mom, right up to the end. I mean, she lived to be 99 and a month and she was one of my best friends. I mean, really, I had a lot of time with her after my dad. My dad died in 2014. My mother died January of last year. So I I was her driver, so to speak, you know, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. But my um, stepdad passed away in um, 2022. Oh, really? Okay. It's, yeah, he was 75 and he had gotten cancer. It's funny. I had the best relationship with him as an adult. It's so funny. He, um, he mellowed out a lot. I think it was just a lot for him to take on these girls and, and I got the brunt of it being the oldest my little sister Kelly definitely had it way easier because we were out of the house, me and Kristen were, and yeah, we were out of the house. So she was treated a lot better. But as an adult, my dad is just, I, I've called him dad mm-hmm. since, since they got married, I've called him dad, but I flew there and was, I was able to be in the, he was in a hospice facility. So I was able to be there with my mom. Uh, right to the end. huh? Yeah. And I just, he was so proud of me and just yeah and they loved they loved my ex-husband he actually still talks to my mom and yeah it's a it's a really peaceful situation but my stepdad is it was hilarious i love talking to him as an adult not as a kid (laughs) shortly after my stepdad died my biological dad had a stroke luckily recovered but he was in the hospital for six weeks basically detoxing from alcohol. I mean, he's been, he's been an alcoholic since the eighties. I've, I've had a relationship with him my whole life. There was never a time where I didn't. And I know he's very remorseful for not being there. He said that to me. Yeah. He's, once he came out, he's been definitely more reflective since the stroke. And he's just, he asked me the other day, he was like, is there anything you need to like, ask me just, he was like, you never know how much time you have. So if you need to like, ask me something. And I was like, dad, I, I don't need to know anything. But I said, and it's funny because him and my mom do talk now every now and then mm-hmm. I was like, can you just tell mom that she did a good job? Cause that she really needs to hear it. And he did. Oh, oh. yeah. But after the stroke, it's funny because he, he doesn't drink anymore and he actually doesn't remember drinking or smoking at all. No. That is strange. Yeah. He's like, I don't even remember drinking. Like, it never happened. Yeah. How old is he now? 65. Yeah. They had me when they were like 22, 23, my parents. So my stepdad passed away. My sister Kristen is still in Arizona, where my mom lives. Kelly moved to Arkansas. One thing I would mention to you, maybe you've done it already, but my book is for parents and for your daughter, in this case, to read. Okay. It was written with the energy of a novel. It's not a big cry book. Some people do, of course, but what happened with my daughter and everything. Yeah. But 
I go to the YMCA, you know, and we play pickleball there and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And this one woman came over and sat down next to me because you play and then you sit on the bench and sort of slide down for the next group of four, mm-hmm. you know. She sat down. I've seen this woman for a year or so, but she said, you know what? I got your book on Tuesday. I read it on Wednesday. I didn't come to pickleball because I couldn't put the book down. I read it. I gave it to my mother. This woman's probably 40. She said, I gave it to my mother. She's halfway through it in a day and a half. And when I get the book back, I'm going to make my two daughters and my son read your book. That came first. The podcast came after Mm -hmm. that because podcast. The podcast is just a way to kind of keep things going, you know, yeah. and I think it's been a good thing. But really, the book has a lot of good advice okay. served up in a way that it's easy to digest for anybody. So I will definitely yeah. do that. I, yeah, um, you think about I said, it. I don't know what I would do, even been in the situation. I don't know what I would do if my daughter. Well, we were in the situation where the phone rings and it's detectives who need to meet with me <sighs> and tell me something. And that's where that's where we knew anything yeah. was going on. It was all over at that point. I'm so I mean, sorry. It, 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 That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was just as bad yeah. as it could be. So knowing how bad that is, I don't want that to happen to anybody else, just like you don't. You know, you're kind of taking your story and it it turns into this wonderful way to teach people. So Rebecca, look, thank you so much for you. telling your story. And a lot of our stories have dating violence and and also domestic violence, meaning like well, the only difference between dating violence and domestic violence is people are married or not. That's really the, the only difference. All the other symptoms and flags and and horrible things that go on happen in both. And yours is a pure dating violence story. And I'm glad to talk with you because not everybody's hearing stories about someone who is going through what you had all the way back to their sophomore year in high school. I think it's important for people to hear it and maybe share it with their own children and let them hear how it really goes and how it sneaks up on you and you think you're in love and you're hanging in there because you think this is, this guy's it. I can't be sure there'll be anybody else. I think I really like this guy and I'm putting up with all these things that are coming my way. And I just want to really give you a great big thanks to come on and tell your story today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. It was an honor to be on your podcast and to talk to you. That's very nice. I appreciate it. And, And just so great to meet you. And I hope we get to speak again sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks. This concludes Rebecca's story. We watched her go from victim to survivor. We also see how she's taken her life lessons with her and how they will benefit her children. Thank you for listening. The more who listen, the more who better understand domestic violence. We see now that When Dating Hurts has become the platform where dating and domestic abuse survivors can tell their entire stories from those early days when they thought it was love, through the horrific nightmarish times of emotional manipulation, power and control tactics, and sometimes devastating physical violence. It sneaks up on people. That's how domestic violence traps people. I want to give extra emphatic thanks to the survivors who have come to us and told us in great detail their personal stories of abuse. These generous survivors have afforded us open access into the worst times they have ever endured. Their lives were made miserable by domineering abusers, people who were relentless in the calculated evil they perpetrated specifically to devise invisible prisons around those they told they loved. These stories, although challenging to listen to, are made bearable because 
we know that each of the survivors will eventually transition from a victim to a survivor. We see the sheer determination and immense courage it sometimes takes for a person to regain freedom. It's important to know that victims can always get help, victims can always get out, and victims can become survivors. Okay, just a quick reminder, the When Dating Hurts book is available on Amazon. It's in paperback and ebook and audiobook forms. If you're a survivor and you have a story we need to hear, please contact me at Bill Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. Thank you for listening.